Welcome to Reality Breached. Uh, another local spotlight is upon us. Uh, this time we sat down with Shell Inns, owner and operator of Crown Studios in Jackson. Uh, he has a strong passion for his work, and, and our sit-down, it really shows. Uh, we talk about Jackson, Papua New Guinea, Rick Ross... So, needless to say, the conversation goes places. Uh, hope you enjoy it. Stay tuned to Reality Breached for more podcasts and local spotlights. Um, who are you and what is Crown Studios, brother? Hmm... I now finally understand what it feels like for an artist when I hit record. Like when I watched when I watched you hit record, suddenly everything changed. <laughs> and I, I get it now. I get it now. Um, I am Shell, like a seashell. Crown Studios is this place, and we make records. Mm-hmm. I, I I don't know, like to get into too much more detail. I mean, we oh, just depend, just depends on where the artist comes in with, with the project. Sometimes we start from scratch. Sometimes there's everything there and it's pretty much, uh, making sure we get the right tones. Um, so it changes, but at the end of the day, you know, the goal is when we hit play, do you feel something? Right. So. And you've discussed when we first came in the different sound qualities of each room. So yeah, I get super nerdy about that stuff, um, <laughs> and you won't be able to like see it in the podcast. But each room has definitely a unique sound. So when we're recording, we think about that. Right. So you know, depending on if we need like a medium-sized room sound, or if we need like a really, we're actually kind of in the cavernous room. Um, but uh, you know, we can bring gobos in as well to make the room bigger or smaller as we need, or introduce more reflective surfaces. It really like I'm really really. Uh, adamant about making sure it sounds right in the room first and then we can capture that but if you know if you capture something like in an ISO booth say and then you try to make it sound huge I think you're a lot less likely to succeed than if you just make it sound huge where you're trying to track it and just capture it correctly so, gotcha. I, I don't know even know how we got into that <laughs> that's a little that's sort of it's sort of philosophical I guess it's like a mentality thing it's like I'd love to make records where we capture uh, sounds that artists can do like naturally, like they can pull it off at the show. Like I, I really, I really, really love making records that are very true to the artists that are writing mm-hmm. different pieces. That's awesome. Uh, explain to the uh, the listeners uh, the the the, um, the song we have in the background. No, the, the purpose. Uh, you have, uh, shout out to Boy Hammer. You have to explain um, the song. <laughs> <laughs> the, the purpose of gobos and yeah. having them in each room. Can you explain the, the purpose of those? Gobos are like, um, man, I hope no like audio engineers like listen to this and then like comment and make fun of me because it's unlikely. Um, but <laughs> um, basically, a gobo, in my opinion, is kind of like a wall without sheetrock on it. So if you think about walls, um, like if you stand outside of this room and we're playing drums in here, it's going to be quieter outside than it is in here. Mm-hmm. So the idea is to absorb some of that um, sound. So we've, we've got several gobos, um, and they're stackable, which is kind of cool. So we can we can make, you know, create like an isobooth if we need it. Um, but the idea is it absorbs some sound. Um, so that's basically kind of the gist of those. They're, 
they're kind of one of those, I always, I, I classify them as the unsexy things that you have to have at the studio, like mic stands, gobos, mic cables, <laughs> sometimes headphones. It's like, you, when you go to buy them or you go to build them, it's like, oh man, it's not like, you know, a cool new mic. It's like, yeah, this, this is a $2,000 mic and it looks cool and it sounds cool. It's like a gobo. I built it. It's like, it's, it's burlap from Joanne's by Target. Like, <laughs> I, I, I never had that feeling. I was at, I was at the guitar, guitar place earlier. I need some, some uh, speaker stands. And yeah. I'm like, I don't want to spend $120 on stands for speakers. I know. There's That's so many. sexy. I know. There's so many cooler <laughs> things you can sexy. buy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, my stands are that way. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, they get me every time. But you know, you get what you pay for with my stands for sure. Oh, of course. But, um, but yeah, this uh, th- that whole conversation you had about capturing specific noises and sounds, yeah, in natural environments. Uh, it reminds me a lot of. Uh, have you seen the movie Sound? Is it Sound Studios? Sound. It's directed by Sound Dave, City. Sound City. Yeah, hell yeah, Dave Roll. Yeah. And him going out of his way to purchase that big ass board yes. to take home with him because yeah. oh that's that movie taught me more about production yeah. than anything I've ever experienced. That was a that was a movie we watched in class actually um, um, back at school. Yeah, it was like a required viewing movie. And I, I mean, I would I've, I've seen it like two or three times since then. That's how much I like it. Yeah, it's but yeah, really the good. same the same kind of concept of how can you like capture the raw like emotion of what music is mm-hmm. instead of trying to recreate that inside the box. Like I would rather, I'd rather capture it. Like, I think that does two things. One, it forces the engineer to be better. Um, <clears throat> especially like live tracking type of scenarios. Like you really have to be on your game, but I also think that it forces the artist to be better because there's no crutch of let's fix it in post. Right. Like you really got to nail it. And I think some of that is maybe some of the filter, um, and this gets into worldview, but maybe some of that is like <laughs> the filter that's not really there right now on the industry and why like everything's kind of diluted and people are like, oh, you know, anybody can spend the money and make a recording studio. Why would we come there? All, all the, like all those questions that the industry is facing, like on a large scale, I think some of that has to do with like removing, some, like trying to make it too easy. Like instead of pushing yourself and just because it's harder maybe to track live or it's harder to get the sound right when you record it you know, that doesn't mean it's like less good. It's probably actually better because everyone has to push harder to get at that level. Yeah. So, yeah. I don't know if that makes sense or if that would, Oh, it does. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And, and when, when the music industry turned from just people entertaining people to a business model, mm-hmm. a lot of things changed. Everything. And now all of that <clears throat> is falling apart because it's becoming so much easier to make music. Mm-hmm. So I, I get it. Yeah. Yeah. People ask me all the time, you know, um, what, what is the value of like going to a recording studio? Um, and that, that question kind of pings me a little bit. It's because, you know, this is what it we should. do. This is, this is how my wife goes to TJ Maxx. Like, this is kind of a big deal for me. Like, we pay for groceries this way. But, but I get the question because, I mean, the gear is more accessible now than it's ever been. Um, and even like, you know, some of the, the, the cheaper gear is, is still good. You can still get great quality things. Cause, mm-hmm. cause again, at the end of the day, it's more the performance that matters more than anything else. Yeah. Um, but, um, gear does make a difference. Um, but even then, like, you know, if you, if you invested and you work part time long enough, you know, you could buy, anybody could buy, let's come up with a, a fictitious person, call them, uh, I don't know, what's a great name? 
Robert it's called Robert. Two. Robert. Robert Two. Robert Two. So Robert Two buys every piece of gear that we've got at Crown Studios. No relation. Robert. Robert. <laughs> Robert the Second of No Relation builds every gobo the exact same way. He calls me. He's like, I need the schematics for your gobos, bro. So I'm like, All right, go to Joanne's, talk to the lady with the curly hair, and she will hook you up with the right burlap. Oh, uh, we really need to drop like fifteen dollars of lockdown. Lockdown You need to. That'd be excellent. Um, but if, if you had all the same gear, if you if you spin them, at the end of the day, you could have the same artist even. And if Robert II hit record and I hit record, we get two different records. Because a little piece of, of each person who works on that record, a little piece of their soul is on that song, in that mm-hmm. song. And so um, the value in a recording studio is a lot less about the gear. Don't get me wrong. Gear is really important and it does make a big difference in the same way that like pedals, a guitarist handpicks their, their pedals for their tone and their amp and, uh, you know, all, on down the line. So it's all really important. It adds to the, the great records. But, um, I think that, um, I just had a complete brain fart. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. I think that, I think that what, what the key is, is, um, making sure that you don't forget the human element. So like, and it's not to say Robert the Second can't make an amazing record with the same gear and all that stuff. No, that guy's but cool. He can't. It, but it would be different. Is all I. <laughs> no, it would just be different. It would be like it, there's no way it could ever be the same, and that's the beauty of it. So you know, people are like, well, you know, why would you go to a recording studio? Why would you spend the money on that? Well, it's it's more about the collaborative side of it and less about the gear per se. It's not about going to give money and get a record. It's more about going to experience something mm-hmm. and, and create something that pushes yourself as an artist forward, pushes the engineer, pushes everybody around them forward, pushes the whole industry forward, hopefully. So that's... Yeah. All right. Anyways. I'm going to stop you there because yeah. a lot of that creeps into some of the future questions. Okay, They're cool. Good. Awesome. That's very good. Awesome. Okay. Um, Ed out the brain fart, dude. Like, <laughs> take, the, take the brain fart out. <laughs> no, that's the human element. <laughs> that's true. I'll tell you what, man. That's fine. Um, when I walked in, I, I definitely had an experience just by walking in. Um, but, Thanks, dude. That means a lot to me. But from, Hopefully it was a good experience. From, oh, it was great. Okay. From, from your words, Shell, what makes Crown Studios a unique experience? Because I, I already had my, even though it was small, mm-hmm. I still felt like this place is, is unique in a way that, you know, even though it's a recording studio, it has a certain feng shui that, that I did feel like. Thanks, man. Um, that's something that's very important to me. Um, I mean, aside from Lolo making us very different um, when she barks at people. Um, <laughs> no, I think um, I think kind of the idea, and I'm, I'm sure I'm not the only cat out there trying to do this, um, but I really want Crown to be very relaxing. I want it to be a space that you can feel comfortable and at home in. Um, I love that it's a home recording studio. Um, I never want to lose that element um, to it, even as we're expanding. Um, I just feel like I really want to create an environment that it's easy and relaxing to be creative in. Um, in the same way that maybe you write a song in your bedroom or, you know, what, wherever that is, um, that, that place where you feel, um, at peace. I want Crown Studios to be like that. So the world around could be crazy, but when you come to Crown, like you can take a breath and, and get really focused on, on your art. So, um, I hope that comes across, um, and, and not just like, uh, the way we approach making a record, but in the space that we make a record in. So I love the idea of being boutique, being innovative, being kind of a little different, but very relaxing. Boutiques, boutique's a really good way to describe this. Thanks, dude. Mm-hmm. Thanks. I like that. Real nice place, man. 
Oh, what originally got you into making music out there in ah, Fiji? Um, so Papua New Guinea. Papua New Guinea. Yeah. Fiji? Yeah. I said uh, Fiji. No, it's funny. A lot, of, a lot of my closest friends thought I was from Africa for a long time. <laughs> Papua New Guinea. It, Papua New Guinea is different from New Guinea. It's not Fiji. And it's not it's Fiji. It's definitely not Fiji. And it's not Guinea. I think they're three different countries. Well, four if you include Fiji. So, um, but anyways. Papua New Guinea. Uh, that's... <laughs> That's a whole different, whole different thing. Um, can you repeat the question? Because I got, I got, I got so distracted. <laughs> what originally got you into making music? Okay, yeah. Um, for me, like music is, I, I, it's like learning a language. I mean, I'm, I'm sure none of us here remember learning to speak, and if you do, you're an incredible human. Um, but like, you know, you just sort of grow up speaking, and so I kind of don't really remember, like dabbling in music as far as long back far back as i can remember uh would be you know singing and writing uh songs um maybe not like full structure songs but definitely singing uh to the records my parents played in the house um i don't remember learning to play guitar as far as i know um i would have been really young um i just don't re i just don't remember i just always kind of had a guitar around uh and so at, as far back as i can remember i've been in bands uh all through high school and whatnot and um and I was always, always end up being sort of the songwriter and sort of the lead singer probably because I don't know why the lead singer because I can't sing um but it, <laughs> but I, I always ended up in that role I, I think I think I I like to think that I have kind of a macro view on songs I've never been a fantastic guitarist um I'm sort of a mediocre guitarist maybe um I, I love playing I love it to death um but you know I, I'm just never going to be that um, so I always, I, I, but I loved writing songs. Uh, and then in college, um, I sort of didn't want to major in, uh, English or math. So because of that, I picked the spaceship thinking I would record all of the songs that I'd written over the years. Um, and kind of what ended up happening is I got an internship for an indie film company. I did some scoring for them. Along this time, I had moved on. I wasn't playing much guitar. Actually, I was doing more beats and stuff like that. Uh, a lot of electronic music. And, um, I, so I scored for this indie company and it was really fun because it would be like short promo videos and different TV spots and things like that. So it was very like, I got to dabble in a lot of genres, um, which I was really creatively interested in expanding that way anyways. So, um, I really kind of, that's sort of further developed the production idea that I had in my head. So, you know, already kind of leaning that way from playing songs and thinking about the macro side of a song, like thinking about how the bass riff should you know, sit with the the kick drum and how like the guitar and the vocal should interplay and all that stuff. Um, and so and bolts. Yeah, yeah. I, and I, I I really like seeing how it all comes together. Um, and so you know the the scoring stuff kind of uh, I kind of realized a way that I could make a feasible I guess, I guess living uh, using kind of. Cause I, you know, I wasn't a rock star. I wasn't shredding it on guitar. Nobody, no, no gimmicks there. Um, but I loved playing and I loved playing all the instruments that I could get my hands on. And so, um, you know, the scoring stuff kind of helped me get into that world of, of sort of producing and engineering. Cause I, I also recorded and mixed all of those scores at that time. So, um, so I graduated with an audio production degree. Um, and, uh, yeah, I guess, I guess that kind of answers the question of how I got into this. It was kind of a natural fit. I definitely did a lot of live sound, um, coming out of school. Um, I think that that's probably the biggest influence on my approach to recording and mixing, uh, was the live stuff I did. I, I, can, I can see live stuff being very, uh, anxiety driven. 
Honestly, a lot of a lot of people in the live industry. Yeah, I can definitely see that. Yeah, Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Yeah, because his man, like, you get one chance. Yeah, it's very high high pressure. Yeah, um, yeah, and I, I think that um, pressure is sort of good for, I guess, how God made me. Um, I think my best work is usually done under pressure. Um, I don't know if you guys are this way, but like. You know, my, my like term papers were written like a couple hours before. And oh, yeah. if I, if I tried to write it like a day, if I tried to write it a week in advance, the paper would suck. So like, you know, it, the pressure was actually good for me. So, um, pressure. yeah, what, what, what happens to me is like when I do something, I'll get this surge of Sergio surge. Uh, yeah. yeah. Surge. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah like, I actually have this, this short film I'm working on right now that cool. I've been working on for months. Yeah. And like, I want to do this, I want to do this, I want to do this, I want to do this. Oh, it's going to be great. Film it all, edit yeah. it all. I just, the longer I look at it, the more I want to tweak it. The more yeah. I want to change, the more I want to add. And that deadline helps, though, if you've got a deadline. Is, I don't have a deadline. Yeah. I need to set a deadline. you got to put a deadline on it. Tomorrow. Because I'll just keep <laughs> tweaking it for like 16 years, and I'll just end up like George Lucas. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> by the time I'm done with it, it'll have CGI. <laughs> Disney will buy it. Yeah. They're buying everything, so. Uh. We're going to cut we're going to cut this, 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 and this. We're going to, it's going to become Sergio's legend. It's just going to have your face, and then we're going to put it in an Iron Man movie. Right. <laughs> By that time, Iron Man will be revamped. Yeah. <laughs> It'll be the reboot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm a, you're an interesting guy. So, oh, thanks, uh, I, I want to know a little bit more about Shell. Uh, okay. Tell me a little bit about your personal background. Okay. Like, where you from? Because I said it wrong. Yeah, no. Um, and how how did you get from there to Mississippi, Jackson, Mississippi? Yeah. Um, so my wife and I have been in Jackson for about three or four years now. Um, I grew up in a small tribe in Papua New Guinea, in uh, kind of the East Sepik region, which is right at the foothills of the uh, highlands. Um, my dad was a Bible translator, and. Uh, he committed um, a ton of time to that, and I have a ton of respect for him for that. Um, but, you know, my childhood would have been uh, definitely English to my brother, sister, mom, and dad, and that's about it, um, up until about seventh grade. So basically, you know, finish what little bit of homeschooling mom had for me for the day and then run out and play soccer <laughs> um, or, or, you know, go build forts and swing from vines. Like legitimately, have you seen Jungle the Jungle, the movie? Mm -hmm. So that, that's me basically, um, wearing loincloths and swinging from vines to like, I guess, hanging out in the concrete jungle now of Jackson, Mississippi. Oh, um, man. No, it's a little bit different from that. Not quite that exciting. Um, <laughs> I did I did go to an international boarding school in Garoka, which is in the Highlands region. I was there for about three years, and I met tons of really cool people from all over, and that's uh, more when I was in bands. Because um, in, in the tribe, it was more like reggae and like just... For the record, it blows my mind that you keep saying tribe. Not city or town or village. You're saying tribe. Yeah, Malamanda. You can. I don't think you can look. I don't know if you can look it up or not. Yeah, you can't um, go anywhere in Jackson and say, "Where are you from? I'm from a small tribe." <laughs> tribe called West. No. no, no. <laughs> Sorry. I, I've, never, I've never met somebody from a place that's not Googleable. Uh, you, go. <laughs> you might. You might be able to Google it these days. They have cell phones in New Guinea, and um, there's you know. So, uh, but anyways. Um, went to school at Garoka um, in the Highlands. We moved to the U.S. in 06, which would have been 
maybe 10th grade for me. It's kind of fuzzy a little bit. Um, and, uh, that was a pretty big transition. We weren't planning on, planning on staying in the U.S. at all. Um, some things came up for my family um, pretty pretty abruptly, more or less, and, and we ended up having to stay in the U.S. Um, and so that was a pretty intense transition. Um, at that time, we were living in Clinton, uh, Mississippi. Miles. And Clinton so, Town. Yeah, and yeah. Town. Um, Continental Tower. Um, well, Tire is what I meant to say. Um <laughs> Anyways, I was chasing soccer ball around and mowing grass, basically. Um, had no clue that you could play soccer for school, um, <laughs> but somebody told me that, and I ended up at Heinz Community College. I played two two years there um, in, on the Raymond campus. Uh, I went to Heinz. We went to Heinz. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. The Raymond campus? That's cool. Yeah, those were good years for me. I learned a ton, um, and... Uh, and then I transferred to a school in Michigan. That's where I met my wife. Um, and I studied audio production there for the basic reasons of not wanting to do math and, and uh, English. And uh, also, smart move. So. Yeah. yeah, that's kind of, I, I don't know, that's a little bit of, little bit about Shell, I guess. Yeah, it's, so. it's, a little bit, <laughs> it's always good to hear great. Uh, someone who is actually using what they went to college for. Because there's so many people who... Well, I, didn't, I don't know that I learned anything in college. No, that, that's not because of the professors or anything. That's because of me. Um, yeah, yeah. But, but, but still, yeah. if you graduate for audio engineering and you're using audio engineering mm-hmm. stuff on a daily basis, like... That's cool. It, yeah, yeah, you're, I know, you're I, in the 10%. I feel you like you're right. About, you get the, the yeah. standing ovation yeah. by <laughs> Terry Clapp. I think um, I, I'm kind of sad about that. Like, I, I think that there's a lot of misinformation, specifically with audio degrees, um, and I could rant on that for too long. Um, but I feel like I feel like you know, there's a lot of misinformation on what this industry is actually like. I certainly had no clue. I mean, I I didn't even get a degree initially because I wanted to be an engineer at all. So, but yeah, yeah. Thanks, dude. Cool. All right, man. That's very very interesting, man. Tribe, <laughs> tribe called shit. <laughs> um, okay, so when you when you when you when you met your wife, y'all moved down here. Uh, tell me, how did you turn your passion for music into a business? It's my dog. She knows my wife's home. And she's like, <laughs> it, oh, <that's> <laughs> sorry. And like, how did you turn your passion for 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 music mm-hmm. and recording and production into an actual business? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. Um, kind of necessity a little bit. Um, when I first moved when I first moved back to Jackson, um, I was mowing yards for that first year. I had a really really great conversation uh, with a friend of mine that um, uh, he basically said, you know, if this is because I was kind of dabbling. I was doing a lot more production uh, like electronic music still and doing some scoring still for the for the uh, film company. He said, Shell, if you really want to do this, you will find a way to make it happen. And it kind of dawned on me that, like, really, I could do anything if I put in the work for it. Um, and so I just started really busting my butt, man. Um, I took every gig I could get. Um, at the time, that looked a lot like live sound. Um, I started mixing uh, for Grace City. Uh, and somebody heard the mix and recommended me to a production company. And... Um, I ended up, I think the first show I mixed was Mystical uh, in Vicksburg. 
And uh, that was a fun okay, show. You gotta talk about and, uh, it. Was, it was pretty. It was pretty intense. Uh, it was my first first time like mixing a concert. Um, of course, I didn't tell the company that. All they called and they were like, "Hey, can you mix on a Midas?" I was like, "Sure." And I googled Midas because I had no clue. Um, but like, I got there, didn't know what I was doing at all. I have no idea how I. I don't like. I, I'm not really sure how I got input in and out of the board, to be honest. But like, I knew, I knew this was, I, I knew this was like, this is what I need to do. Like, I've just been trusting my gut since I got here, and, and like it told me like do it. So I just, just, I was just going for it, man. And I'm not sure how it happened, but it, it worked. And they, the production company, I guess, enjoyed it. They called me back the next week. I worked with Rick Ross at the Coliseum, and um, it, it was packed in there. Uh, and I remember specifically. I remember, and like, and keep in mind, like this whole time I'm fronting, like I'm this engineer that knows oh, yeah. what I'm doing, but like I, I don't know anything. I'm totally, totally faking it, and um, and so yeah, <laughs> there's a there was ten subs across the front, and I remember like pushing them hard enough where I, you know, like in July in Mississippi, you see the heat waves on the interstate. You could see the heat, the heat waves from the sub, not heat, but like the subways on top of the, on top of the stage. You could just see it. It was like, I'm pretty sure if there was a set list on stage, it would have just levitated. It was, it was awesome, man. And I got, I got kind of hooked to the, to the, to the pressure, not just the pressure, but like that thrill of the energy coming up through the faders and, and like you got 12,000 people listening and you got one moment and like everyone's experiencing that one moment and you, you can't screw it up. Like you've got to come in clutch and there's, that pressure is fun and it's rewarding. It's like a performance. And I, that's when it dawned on me that like that honestly it was at the Rick Ross concert. It kind of dawned on me. It was like, <clears throat> um, this is an instrument and, and like I, I get a chance to be, you know, I, I I'm playing, I'm just as much a part of any band or of any, like I, I, this is my art form. And so like, I really, really got into mixing. Um, and I took every live show I could, man. And, and, um, I, I've kind of moved a little bit away from the live stuff and more towards the studio now. <clears throat> I love I love uh, the live sound stuff, but I'm definitely more keen on uh, being in, in the studio. Um, I like the the uh, the whole process of making a record, um, and I just don't know if I'm cut out to do the live sound stuff long term. Um, so you know that your eardrums like they you start like losing quality like at a very early age, but you never get it back. Did you guys know that? I knew that. Yeah, yeah it's I crazy. Like, I can, I can feel it kind of breaks my heart. Yeah, yeah, like I know, like in college, I, I tested at like eighteen five or something k, and now I'm like at like seventeen, and I've already lost. Like it's kind, of, it sucks. It kind of sucks. <laughs> it's a reality. I think how many times I had to repeat the the army um, hearing test. Yeah, so I was just pressing the button. <laughs> <laughs> Stop pressing the button. I, I don't hear anything. I, I don't know if it's ringing in my ear because I'm hearing or the actual beat. I, I, just, I don't know. I don't know. Okay, here's a little like, like. Sorry, man. I, I kind of went. I kind of got. No, it's good. No, Sorry. love it. Yeah. Love it. Love it. Here, here's. Um, Everyone's like sleeping. They're like, no, this is so. No, 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 uh, no, no. This is. You just said Rick Ross like four times. Yeah. So, like, <laughs> actually, you have to. I think you probably should. Now somebody. I feel bad. Now I feel like no. No, no, we fake it till you make it, man. I that. <laughs> Everybody's yeah. like, I was writing for protectedition.com. Yeah. And it wasn't like, oh, hey, Sergio, you're such a great writer. You should come write for us. It was, hey, we're trying to pull this thing and get into E3 for free. Yeah. So <laughs> come write for us so you can go with us. And we're like, okay. So Fantastic. We faked yeah. it until, and we went to E3. So, yeah, yeah it's. 
I don't necessarily endorse that that yeah. method, but I do at the same time. Okay, so what's interesting? This goes full circle to what we we're talking about with degrees. Mm-hmm. And um, you guys just have to cut me off because, like, once I start rambling about this stuff, I get so nerdy about it. But <laughs> so with degrees, that this industry, I really, especially on the production and engineering side, there is an element that, like, and this is somewhat narcissistic. It's true. There's an element of God gave you that or not. Like you can, oh, you can't like. Same thing with art. If you're, if you, if you can draw or not, I'm, I really can't draw very good at all. My sister can draw amazing and I could train forever, but like, I'm, I just don't have that, that gifting or, but so, so it's the yeah. same sort of thing, but if there's misinformation, I think that people think, Oh, audio engineering. Um, and they forget that it's equal parts art and technical. So mm-hmm. like, you kind of have to have a little bit of that. And if you do, you can learn more. There's infinite amounts to learn. Yeah. You're on that knife blade between art and science, but like, mm-hmm. but you have to have that art side, I think. And, and I think a lot of kids are going to school and, and maybe there's just misinformation about that. Like, like, and, yeah. and that's not, that's not trying to be like a butthole about it. It's just the truth. It's, well, you can teach the technique of anything. Yeah. You can teach the technique of cake making. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean that at the end of the day you can make a cake that people want to exactly. look at. Exactly. Yeah. You know. Exactly. So it, it's you're like right. a both end. You can't. Thing. You can't yeah. teach art. Right. You can. You, you can get better at it. You can get better at it. But the, it's got to kind of be there inside yeah. you. Like yeah. it's got to be in your soul a little bit. Yeah. Hmm. That was good. <laughs> <laughs> um, here's a nice little little fun question for you, uh, Shell. Uh, would you care to share the most interesting um, recording experience you've had mm. at Crown Studio? Hmm. This is like this is a little bit like a roundabout way to answer that, but I, I do get a lot of phone calls that make me laugh, um, and uh, and I I know that like I I do also feel bad for laughing when I get them. Um, I, I got one not too long ago. <laughs> and it, well, it was like. <laughs> Somebody wanted to come in and do a recording session, um, and they had a song on YouTube that they wanted to sing, um, and they asked if I could take the vocals out, um, and then they could sing over it. So there's like a lot of things wrong with that scenario. (laughs) (laughs) But I get those a lot. Approximate it. (laughs) Yeah, and I just wish that people kind of like um, maybe could understand this concept. So I'm going to take this time on this podcast to explain it. Okay. If you make spaghetti. You can't take the tomatoes back to the grocery store, even if you have the receipt. So, so what, what I mean by that, what I mean by that is like, even if you buy the song and the, and, and the beat or something like that, or whatever it is for you, or, you know, the stem or the music, like we can't change it once it's made spaghetti. We can't take the tomatoes out and bring them back to the store. If yeah. the vocals are in the mix, they're in the mix. You gotta have the it's, it's, it's like once, once the pro, like once the individual elements are done and they're bounced to the, to the, the two track, like it's done. And, and I, I really wish that I could, but I can't kind of thing. Anyways, that's an interesting thing that happens fairly regularly. Um, yeah, yeah. Like I, I have heard of really like, thrown together tools yes. that have that claim to be able to remove the vocals and yes. basically all it does is mute everything that is duplicate on both tracks. Yes. So you can you can get away with a lot with phasing. Yeah. Now we're getting really nerdy and I get yeah. I'm really into it. So like yeah, um you can do a lot with phasing. Um and that kind of comes down to how is the track mixed. If mm-hmm. you're lucky, maybe the vocals are panned right up the center or there's not too much delay throws and there's there's some shenanigans that you can do. Oh yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Cuz um, I've used those things like, Yeah. 
But it's not going to sound creepy. great. It's going to, you know, at the end of the day, you're not going to like end up with a record that you can throw on the radio and be proud of. No, but, no, uh, oh, no, no. Unless you call it shenanigans. Yeah, the shenanigans. Featuring Faith. I don't, I don't know that. I think that might be part of Vaporwave. There you go. Um, We're just taking old music and messing it up. <laughs> That's also Kanye West. So. Oh! Oh! Oh, I didn't realize there was so much shade in here. Oh, man. Oh, man. Oh, man. Wait, let me look outside. Yeezy is not coming. He's not floating in on his golden, um, golden Yeezus. Oh, man. That was, wait a minute. Yeah. Take me back. We just, Man, it really sucks that Kanye West is one of our listeners. Yeah, <laughs> it sucks, man. Um, hey, real talk, because he probably is. Um, the dude is a genius. Um, yeah. But now switching again, the face thing is really cool. This is, I just have to talk about this for a second. Oh, you can do it. Uh, we've got this thing. Uh, it's a Focusrite 430. And um, it's a really cool DSer on there. So instead of frequency-dependent uh, DSing pulling a threshold down, like a, like a frequency-dependent compressor, it's actually inverting the phase where that frequency is. So it's actually a really clear way of DSing, um, and I think that a lot of people should do that instead. You of, lost me. So. Wait, wait, I'm so sorry. You lost me. When you said DS, and I was like, the, yeah, the, Nintendo. The, the, never mind. Yeah. Never mind. That was dumb. Edit all that out. No, 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 man. Yeah. It's good. <laughs> I, it's not beyond me. I could get it, but yeah, let's move on. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> it's a teachable moment. Yeah. yeah. There you go. There you go. Because I'm learning throughout this whole thing. <laughs> Because all I know how to do is press play. You know what I'm saying? All I know how to do is press record. So, you're good. <laughs> you're good. <laughs> oh, so you never had like anybody come up here? Um, you don't have to, you know, drop names on like that, like a total diva or 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 or. Uh, <laughs> that happens sometimes. A, diva, a male diva, a diva. I, I feel like I, I know I know one one woman that he that he's <laughs> <seen> that, uh, <laughs> She can be difficult. <laughs> she uh, no, wants didn't. to re-record stuff a lot. Of, oh, you know. man. No, um, I sweetheart think, though, absolute no, sweetheart. And the record is fire. <laughs> um, I'm so excited about it. Um, I think that maybe like uh, in the past two years, I don't really usually have artists just come to the studio. I usually try to go out and meet um, because a lot of times those kinds of artists probably would be put off by my personality so they might not want to record here anyways so I, I like to give a chance to meet with someone outside of the studio the first time um, just to see if we're even a good fit like mm -hmm. personality wise um, that being said there definitely have been those instances and um, just do the best you can man keep on rocking the free world it's, it's we're a service industry like this is at the end of the day like all of my opinions and artistic like I gotta keep that inside and only only do what might help the record and help the artist get what's in their head. Because at the end of the day, all that matters is that we accomplish what their vision for the song is. So. That's cool. Uh, when working with the new artists, uh, what steps um, go into building and producing a song? Yeah. So basically, how do you make an idea into a reality? So like their idea into a reality. Yeah. And then put your own little function in. Yeah. Um, for us, that's different. Um, every, every song's different. Every artist's different. Every record's different. Um, that depends on you know, kind of where the, they're at with the song. You know, some people come in here and it's like they, they've already fleshed it out. Um, and there's, you know, the artistic stuff that I do is more on the mixing side of things. Um, there's other times uh, that people will come in and have like a guitar and, and a vocal track, but want something that's full band, or maybe they like 
want something that sounds like the neighborhood or, or, you know, something more electronic and they just don't know how to get there. And so it really depends on the project. And basically that's just a conversation, an open-ended conversation with the artist. And, um, it's just a matter of asking them, you know, what are they listening to? What, where do they envision it and helping? Sometimes it, it also involves helping people understand how far they can take it. I think some people might think, you know, Hey, I wrote this song on a guitar and, um, I play at a couple coffee shops and I don't like, I don't know, like, I love the idea of, of having like an electronic record or having a full rock band behind me or having like an R&B record done, but I don't know how to get there. And, and so I'll just go into the studio and record an acoustic demo and that's fine. They're not diminishing that, but, um, I think a lot of times people don't realize how far they could push themselves. And so that's kind of part of what we try to do here is figure out how far can we push you? How, 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 you know, what is like the, the secret dream you have for this record. Let's find it and let's make that happen. So. Yeah, that's, that's really thorough answer. That was pretty good. I wasn't even preparing the next question. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take that as a compliment. Say, Thank you. Thank like, you. Yeah. Teach me, Sensei. No. <laughs> the Sensei of Sound. Is, Boom. Is there a copyright on that? I don't think so. Okay. Sensei. Sorry, Kanye. We're copyrighted right now. Sensei Sound. I feel like uh, I feel like Lupe would go for that right now. <laughs> <laughs> but what's your opinion on the evolution of of, of the music industry? Um, where we are now versus where we were. 30, 40 years ago. I, I'm excited. I'm really excited. I think this is a great time to be in the industry. I really believe that. I think uh, the industry is changing, but everything changes. I mean, life is fire. And if you're not used to that, then you won't be ready for the next thing. Um, I think that if you look at any other industry, um, that's just the way it works. It kind of folds in on of itself. Sorry, folds in on itself, reinvents itself, comes out better. That's just the way everything works, not even just music. Um, so to me, this is a really exciting time to be in the industry. There's creative, there's, there's room for someone to come up with a creative idea that rocks everything, like shakes everything and really, you know, sets the new tone for what the new model is going to look like. Um, I think right now anybody can put in the work and, and make their dream come true. And that's not something that used to happen. There were good things about the old industry, mm-hmm. you know, the filters of the label and, and not the, the, you know, not all the music, not everything was so diluted and there was like a quality control, so to speak. Um, but what's exciting about now is, you know, maybe we don't have that quality control up top, but it's sort of there. It exists now because you're not going to make it if you don't, if you don't put in the work now. And, and really, yeah, so, you know, yeah, it kind of settles. Quality. The the quality the quality control is way more natural now. Yeah, if it's not good, it doesn't flow. Yep, and and people will be like you know, people will say that, and I've heard a lot of people say this that you know it's 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 like impossible to make it now. And but the reality is, it was impossible to make it then too. It's always been impossible to make it in this industry. Uh, yeah, this is hard the hardest industry. It, it, it depends on how you define making it. Yeah. I was I was reading yeah. an article that said. All you need is 10,000 dedicated fans. Yeah. If you... I probably read that same article. It's possible. Yeah. If you can properly leverage those 10,000 yeah. fans, yeah. you can live off of your arch. This is really good. Period. Can we camp out on this for a second? Yeah, absolutely. So this is... I, I, I love this. I got a ten. There you go. <laughs> um, I, I love this. I think it's so important um, for, for artists especially um, to think about it this way. Like... It really, you don't really need like a worldwide following. You need just like a, a small group that is committed to you. And that's relational. 
that comes down to at the end of your show, like, are you, are you saying hi to everybody? Do you recognize everyone? Are you remembering their names? That's not like unique to the music industry either. That's across the board. Like, you know, in any industry, just being, being real personal, being like realizing that even though this art is <clears throat> getting something out for you, it's equal parts getting something out for you as someone receiving it. So the people that connect with you, you need to invest in those relationships. Exactly. In the same way that, you know, from my standpoint, I pour into the artists that come in here to crown because that's who, that's the key. Like that's who we are as humans. We're drawn to have those relationships. That has not changed at all. That'll never change. And so the key is investing in relationships and adding value to people. And if every artist did that to every fan, they would, you know, they'd be, I feel like they would see a lot more success in their career. Oh, absolutely. Investing into those relationships. You know, there's, you you go see artist Robert Three. Facts. You know, (laughs) you you go watch Robert Three. He performs like, okay, you guys, bye, and dips. No relation. Regardless of how good Robert Three was. Yeah. He's garbage. That guy was a dick. Like, why why are we... You're right. You don't connect with it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. After the show, Robert's like, hey, thanks for coming out. Yeah. Um, Blah, blah, blah. Did you like it? Oh, yeah. I like that part. And then you went to that one show and you listen to every record. You don't even, you might not even make it to every other show, but you'll buy every record because you have a relationship with that person. And I have a story on this. All right. Um, Twister. Okay. The movie? No. The The game. The game. Twister. Twister. Oh, okay. (laughs) Why I say Twister? Twister. Anyways, thinking it was on the Hell or Hunt movie. Uh, (laughs) And the cows. Ah, that movie right there. Um, Twister came to Jackson a long time ago. My buddy uh, went to his concerts at Freelance. And he said that Twister literally was like in the crowd talking to everybody, taking pictures with everybody, because usually the, 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 the famous people, celebrities, people that come through there, the rappers or whatever, they stay up up top away from people. Mm-hmm. He said Twister was down on the stage, interacting with people, mm-hmm. taking selfies. And mm-hmm. Till this day, that's his favorite rapper. And this mm-hmm. happened mm-hmm. almost 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. And so if he had, if he had like a thousand dedicated fans at that level, he wouldn't need any more. Yeah. Yeah, and and, and what I, the last thing I was going to say about that is, he told you about it, right? How many other people he has he told about that experience? Exactly, exactly, Sergio. That's a great point. Like, I think that I think you're spot on with that, and yeah. I think that honestly, that translates beyond any specific industry. I think that translates into us as humans. Yeah. I think it's important to invest into our friendships and to keep positive friendships around us because the energy that you put out into somebody, you've got to be getting that somewhere else. But when you are in a positive circle and you've got positive people around you and you're all investing in each other, um, it's like a snowball and everyone, everyone reaps the benefits of that. Yeah. Right. I, that reminds me of, this is real cheesy. Just go, just get real cheesy and throw this out there. But, uh, people don't remember actions. They remember emotions. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't matter how good you were that night. Mm-hmm. If you put a smile on someone's face mm-hmm. and they genuinely enjoyed themselves, mm-hmm. they're going to remember that. Yep. Point, I, went, I went to another concert. Now, this is totally opposite. Yeah. Uh, it was at a place. You know, I'm not going to name any names or nothing like that, but the artist had somebody come out for at least 45 minutes. Yeah. And do... Now, I know there's a lot of stuff backstage, like, this is how long I'm going to be out on stage and stuff like that. I know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was there, and the main artist comes out, and... 
everybody just erupts mm-hmm. in this place. Yeah. And the the the, the, the vibe of this place was Unreal. fantastic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And this particular performer you know, he wasn't there for maybe 20, 25 minutes, mm-hmm. you know, but... But you won't forget that emotion. You won't, you won't forget mm-hmm. that emotion. Mm-hmm. You definitely won't forget that jacket he had on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you didn't tell us if it was Kanye. Was it Kanye? No, it was not Kanye. Was it Kanye? <laughs> Is Kanye coming to Jackson? Hey, you never said it was in Jackson. I mean, it's... <laughs> If he did edit it, it out... It was Kanye. You know, it, was right. not, it was Kanye. It was not a similar way better than Kanye might be. <laughs> and people, I think, too, like... People know and recognize authenticity that fast. Yeah. I mean, so so when I say like investing in your fans, you are going to lose every person at your show if it's not authentic. If you don't, you can't just like just pretend like you enjoy everybody that comes to your concert or pretend yeah. like, you know, you have this group of, of people around you that you're investing in. That's a positive friend group. You have to genuinely be interested in people. Yeah. You have to want to be there. You it, want to have to do, do the work. It has yeah. to be genuine. And, and that and like. It's not a fake smile. Like, like, be happy, and and that makes a positive influence in the world around you. And that you know, no matter what sphere you're in, that positivity can lead to success. Yeah, most definitely. Uh, what would you say to someone that doesn't know you exist yet? What's what's your elevator pitch? I would just ask. I would ask about him. Yeah, I think that's the most important thing. I think being genuinely interested in other people is the most important thing. Because at the end of the day, I love Crown with all my heart, and I poured my soul into this. And, you know, too many sleepless nights, you know, too many hours. I stop, I can't log hours. At the, I love crowd. But if it all went away, the only thing that's important is the people that we invest in. And so it's important to be genuinely interested in other people and figuring out what they want. That's, that's the key. That's a very good answer. That's a very, very good answer. Thanks, I only want to ask, ask another question because that was the best good answer. But I am. Um, <laughs> So what what was what's the meaning of Crown? Like what what uh, how did you come up with the name? Have you ever had yeah. Crown Royal? Yeah, so, yeah. Well, that's us. So no, no I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> Wait, you're not Canadian. <laughs> I'm half Canadian. My dad is Canadian. That's, oh, a, that's wow. the truth. That's okay. the truth. All right. Um, but no, um, it, that's a actually a f- kind of a funny story. Um, I I did some work for a drapery rod company in uh, Clinton. Uh, called Crown Hardware. Really, really great guy. Um, learned so much business from this guy. Good friend of mine still today. Um, we jam from time to time. Um, he plays drones. Really, really cool. He's built this amazing business in this niche. And one day we were sitting there and, and I was like, you know, hitting my head against the wall knowing like, I got, I'm, I've got no option. I've got to create a recording studio. Um, there, there's a need. I need to, I need, I need to do this. Um, and, I was trying to think of a name and I had like all kind of crazy names that I don't even remember. Um, and some of them weren't even in English, which never would have worked. Um, and so, and so like eventually I like, I think I just like looked at some pamphlet or something he had written down as, you know, he was crown hardware and I was like crown studios. Um, so that was like the initial idea was I just like completely bummed that idea off of him. Nice. Um, and then I, I had this concept of a logo with it and everybody's done this, I think. And especially if your name was ever crown or anything, you had a lion. Um, <clears throat> but as stereotypical as the lion kind of seems at first, there's actually a really interesting backstory behind that. Do we have time to get into that? Go for yeah. it. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> um, so there's, there's, a, there's a backstory behind that. Um, in uh, the Old Testament, one of David's three mighty men, was, his name was Benaiah. Um, and there's not a ton about him, 
but there's like a couple sentences. And um, in the Bible, it says that he chased a lion into a pit on a snowy day and he killed it with a spear. So <clears throat> it's a really interesting, like quick blurb about this, this person that lived like forever ago. Um, that's not an accurate statement. A long time ago. And, um, <laughs> but if you think about it, like at first it's like, okay, that's cool. And you might just keep, keep on going. But if you, if you really kind of think about that statement, first of all, dude chased a lion. Like, he, he wasn't like defending himself. He wasn't defending a friend. He, he, hunt, he was hunting this lion. He chased this lion. The amount of courage and the tenacity that he had to have is, is like, it's intense. So he chased the lion down. He cornered the lion. So when you think about when is a lion going to be the most dangerous? When it's cornered. When it's cornered. When it's yeah. backs up against the wall. So he chased this lion down. He cornered the lion in a pit. So the lion's got nowhere else to go. The only place the lion can go is through him on a snowy day. And I've been to Israel in these mountains. If it's snowing, like if it's icy up there, you're going to slip. You can, mm -hmm. I mean, like it's, it's intense. And not only do you chase that lion into a pit on a snowy day where it's like not ideal circumstances, the worst time to chase a taunt a lion. He killed it with a spear. And that's kind of intimate. I mean, you got to be like, you got to be within distance for that lion to jump at you. Like if you're going to, if you're thinking about throwing a spear, and think about how fast the cat's reflexes are. You've got to hit the cat. You've also got to penetrate the cat to kill it. Mm -hmm. And you've got one shot. You've got one spear. It's not like not like he's got 100 spears on his back. He's, he's, so not, he's not Legolas. This isn't, this is like, yeah, he's not Legolas with like all these arrows, right? So like he's, he's, hunt, he's, he's hunting. He's got this lion. He's got this lion cornered. It's, it's worse circumstances, but it's not stopping him. Like the circumstances around him are not going to stop him from his goal. And he kills the lion with a spear. I mean... That guy is a beast. Like he is not somebody you mess with, right? So, so I thought about it and, and this, I want to build something that does something really great for the city of Jackson and for the whole industry as a whole. And that's like super high and lofty expectations. I know I get that, but I'm a, I'm a big dreamer and I really do believe that a creative solution um, like is, is right on the cusp, um, for everybody. And I think if, I think that this studio is sort of like my lion like this 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 dream i have of of helping artists get to their dream is kind of like my lion and i'm chasing it with the same tenacity that benaya is and so that's where the lion on the logo comes from wow i like that that was good so that was my next question was going to be like are you still chasing the lion i got him cornered I got my spear raised well, that was, that was <laughs> i'm going all in well, okay well, you, well, you mentioned jackson yeah and uh jackson has come up in a couple other of our interviews. Mm -hmm. Uh, and what, what about Jackson do you feel is so potent right now? That's a great question, dude. Um, so I've, I've had the unbelievable opportunity to live in a lot of places. And if there's one thing I know it's that every place has its cool things. Like mm -hmm. you, you know, you probably will live in one place and think, oh, I want to move or, you know, but, it, but when you move, you remember all the great things about where you were. Yep. Um, I think that the, I explain it to like to people this way. Have you ever been surfing? Have you ever been surfing? No. So like it or like uh, even body surfing. Like when you when you see the wave coming or you're gonna ride a wave into shore, like it's a feeling in your gut. Like you don't necessarily know that that wave is gonna be the biggest. You're kind of hoping it is, um, but then it could get closer and you could be like, ah, no, 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 that's not the one anyway. And then you, you ride over that one and you kind of sit there and you wait for the next one. Well, when the right one comes, there's no other way to explain knowing when it's the right one other than your gut says. That's the right one. Go now. Do it. My yeah. gut says, be in Jackson. Be here right now. Great things are going to happen. Be here right now. 
So yeah, and, I'm and, here. And in the places that I visited, like around at least the region, each each city is tapped. Mm-hmm. Nashville is tapped. Mm-hmm. Austin is tapped. Mm-hmm. Uh, Houston, Atlanta, Atlanta definitely right uh, now. Atlanta's huge right now. Yeah, Atlanta's yeah. huge. Yeah. It, but all of these these places, people go to for things. Mm-hmm. Memphis, mm-hmm. what they've done with Beale Street in mm-hmm. Memphis mm-hmm. is amazing. It is. There is so much potential yes. right behind us in Jackson. Yes. So much. And and seeing things like Fondren, just yeah. the whole Fondren district yeah. popping up out of... That's why we're here. We love yeah, Fondren. Like, yeah. 20 years ago, yeah. Fondren was a nightmare. Yeah. Yeah, but not too long ago, you couldn't go downtown Nashville. Like, what, 10 years ago, 15 years ago? You couldn't yeah. go downtown. Right. Like, that city has transformed. There's nothing. I always tell this to people. There's nothing that keeps this city from being better than any other place except the people's perception of this city. Like, the people who live here. Yes. That's the key. The people who live here, like, somehow, and, and I, can, I feel like I have, can say this on a little bit of authority because, you know, we've only lived in Jackson for about three or four years. No, two or three, a couple years. Um, but, like... This there is so much potential here. There's so many great things about this place, and the people are also one of the greatest things about this place. But what's holding it back is everyone's perception, and and I I, I know that I don't have a ton of history here, so it's hard for me to speak into this. And I really I don't feel like I really can. I can just tell you what my gut says. Yeah. Um. But I, I definitely have heard the stories, and I know that there have been great moments and then great falls before. And I'll be oh, honest, yeah, I yeah. feel like the city's a little bit on this teeter totter right now. And, and, and it has been for, for about 10 years. Yeah. Just, uh, you, you've got so many people that want to do good for the city, mm-hmm. but everything good kind of coming around the city. Mm-hmm. You know, because one, one of the big measurements that, I, that I've said is, if you think about it, Jackson proper does mm-hmm. not have a movie theater. Mm-hmm. You step back no, and you think right. about that. Yeah, you're right. We're the capital of you're the right. state. Right. We don't have a movie theater. Yeah, I think they're putting one in the uh, the district already. That's what I hear. Yeah. It's supposed to be like a dine-in. But then you, see, like, oh. then you see a bank, and then you see a hotel. Yeah, this is true. No, you're right. All right, I'm done interrupting. Like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm done. So, you know, I thought the same thing, but then, you know, do we really need another bank? No, no, no. We don't. I can barely put bank. money in the two banks I've got. So, like, I, <laughs> right. So, that that... that you can build like an outlet type deal mm-hmm. or you can go downtown and actually use the buildings. There is so much space. Down. Down Let there. me tell you this though about downtown, the people who own those buildings, man, they are like charging an arm and leg for anything down there. And you think that they would like maybe cut some people, some deals to get some life happening down there. But they like, it's insane what it costs to be down there. Cause I want yeah. my original idea was I want crown to be like downtown in the capital. You know, that was the original thought. And there's just, there's just the, the overhead, round. the overhead would just, it would crush us, man. Yeah. yeah. It would and, just crush us. And, and, and there's so many places downtown specifically that used to record music. Like that would, I would love that to was be a hotbed. You know, Trump, uh, Trumpet Sound over there off Fair Street. Like that would be mm-hmm. so cool if that was renovated and put, made a studio again, man. That yeah. would be awesome. Mm-hmm. And like, but there's a movie theater. It's going to happen. There's a theater type yeah. place over there. Too. Yeah. Like it, like yep. The thing is, it's going to happen. At some point, something yeah. in charge is going to incentivize the owners of those buildings to I, do it. I sure hope so, dude. And I like, I think that, I think that, oh, like, what we talked about earlier with positivity, I think that's the key. It's like networking groups of people that have similar passions because, you know, we may be in this group. And then somebody in this group may be in this group. And if this is a positive circle, this is a positive circle. These two people that are kind of connected can do a positive circle. And the whole thing just gets better and better. Yeah. But 
we've got to we've got to like address the the elephant in the room, which is the perception that the city has of itself. Because no one outside the city is ever going to change their perception of Jackson if the people who are here don't have a different perception of the city. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And and and, and this phenomenon is not it's not something that is exclusive to Jackson. Mm-hmm. If you look at metro, metropolitan areas around the, right. the world, specific, like take New York. Mm-hmm. Times Square used to be full of pornography and homeless people. Mm-hmm. And now it's the center of the universe. Mm-hmm. And that happened in like a 25 year period. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, you know, it starts with, you know, the money being in the city mm-hmm. and then people moving out of the city, the suburbs, mm-hmm. the money following the people. And then they fall it farther out and farther out. Mm-hmm. Then, then you have Jersey becoming like the biggest thing yep. uh, in the world. And, <clears throat> this the same thing on a smaller scale happened yeah. here. Yeah, Jackson had money. Then yeah. it was South Jackson that had money. Then it was the Brandons, Pearls, Clintons, mm-hmm. just trying to stay away from mm-hmm. the poor area, which mm-hmm. is Jackson. And, and eventually, it's all going to spread back out and come back in. It mm-hmm. always does. Yep. It always comes back to the center. Everything's cyclical, dude. Yep. I do. I do think that it's an exciting time to be here. I do think that we're on the cusp of something, and I feel that in my gut. And that's a big reason why my wife and I are in this city right now. Um, not the only reason, but it's a big reason. So um, I'm, I'm I'm excited to be here. I think there are great things happening. And I I had a conversation the other day with somebody who I consider to be a very like uh, driven personality, and I was I was meeting with her in cups over there um, mm-hmm. off uh, was it Old Ken? Uh, yeah, and. Um, she was, you know, leaning towards going, moving back to New York. Um, and one of the things she said to me was, you know, Shaw, like, I would stay here. I don't have anything against Jackson. I like Jackson, but um, I need to be around people that are better than me at what I do so that I can continue to get better. And I said, that, that's exactly true. But also, you have to remember that that's also cyclical because if you leave, the threshold goes down. And so the reality is some of us, who might be on the front end, and I'm not saying that Crown is necessarily, or but what I'm saying is that like the people who are trying, who are pushing hard, maybe we have to, we have to, you know, live the way of Bushido. Maybe, maybe we have to, maybe we have to take a little bit of that first hit so that the threshold goes up for the first mm-hmm. time instead of us leaving to where we can be better, but maybe the people we left are worse off. Yeah, yeah, gotta gotta move the baseline. Yeah. Edit some of that out if it gets too philosophical. <laughs> oh, no, 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 that's like we're we're right at the length that I want this to be. So yeah. we're good. Feels good. I I concur. So Shell, yes, of Crown Studios. Thank you. It's been wonderful talking to yep. you. I love this. Let's uh, let's chat again. Yeah. Yeah, man. It yeah. was great. Awesome. Next time you gotta wear a jacket and break dance. <laughs> <laughs> Next time will be a, a vlog. Bring the cameras out. We'll go live. (laughs) Facebook live. On the book. That's a freaking update. Have I got an update? Facebook update. Oh, the one with the stuff on it? Everybody's saying this. I haven't updated mine yet. Mine updated. Yeah, it has like stories now. Snapchat or something. Stories? Really? Yeah, it's weird. Whatever. I'm used to it. I always do. One day it's going to be like Instabook. Like they're, they're yeah. just gonna eventually just be like together, man. That, I, that it's everything's doing the same now, and it's, it's like the it's the book. Our Facegram. <laughs> <laughs> Snap it, Instabook. Yeah. <laughs> I, I like Instabook chat. I have this blog set up, like in addition to the other two blogs that I have, that just captures everything I do. 
Mm-hmm. It captures all my Facebook st- uh, updates. It captures all of my blog posts. It captures all of my Twitter posts, my Instagram pictures, and just what is Twitter, them. dude? It just, just kidding, kidding. dumps <laughs> everything into one blog, and I call it my autobiography. Like that's it was automatic. Dude, auto that's a great idea. That's so cool. Yeah, dude. it's just just, yeah. just a living document of wow. my social presence. That's a great idea, and it's really cool. Like, that is super cool. <laughs> Huh. Oh man! I didn't know you do that. Yeah, it took some work. I built it with ift. 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 Yeah, it's this. Uh, it, it stands for if this then that. Cool. So like, if something like this happens, it triggers something else. So uh, let's say there's an article posted about Robert Five in New Guinea. Yeah, and it pops up on the internet. If we're, can on catch the fifth, that. we're on the fifth Robert. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, it, it can catch that. It will then send me. I can set it to send me a Twitter update. That's awesome. It's like, hey, here's a new post about Robert Five. Yeah. You know, it's it, like it's really it's a really cool little tool. Can I ask you guys a question? Sure. Like this, I, I really love this um, idea behind this podcast. Um, what like what is your vision for it? Ooh, that's the one thing I. I've always had trouble getting a hold of mm-hmm. um, because specifically with this, I know you're yeah. doing a series of, of, kind of interviews. Well, well, this, this is kind of just seeding myself as a local thing because mm-hmm. uh, coming from tech edition, we always had this, we'll be national. We'll cover everything everywhere. Yeah. And with reality breached, the, mm-hmm. the podcast started as just a podcast. Mm-hmm. And then I spun it off into a website mm-hmm. and I was like, I, we can cover whatever. Mm-hmm. It's mine now. Mm-hmm. I can do anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it hit me. I was like, if you go local, you can curate your fans mm-hmm. easier. Like what we talked about with artists. Yeah. You need less fans. Yeah. Like the, yeah. If, if something I write is read in, you know, England or whatever, that's great. Yeah. But we would really be doing a disservice mm-hmm. to just ignore Jackson mm-hmm. or ignore the area mm-hmm. because right. there's so much stuff here that no one's talking about. And a lot of interesting people. Hmm. Exactly. Yeah, like, I think so. Our, our list of people we're going to talk to keeps growing. Awesome. Because, oh, you, you, you should probably get to talk to this person. Oh, yeah. You should talk to this person. Yeah. So, so, so That's yeah, exciting. Yeah. Yeah. And so the more of these we do, yeah. like the more connected to the city I feel mm-hmm. and the more internet interconnected the city becomes, dude. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I love it. And ultimately this it's is such to, a good idea. Ultimately it's to drive traffic. Yeah. You know, it's to get more attention. Yeah. But at least on the selfish side of it. Yeah. You know, but if someone learns something about, you know, crown studios yeah. and maybe they're talking and they're, Oh yeah, there's this, Studio downtown somewhere. Yeah. Um, Real cool guy. Yeah. Named after a lion. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like seashell actually. <laughs> <laughs> so, so like he chases lions and tails. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If, if, if someone remembers this and associates it with Jackson in a positive way, Not it's a win-win across mm-hmm. the board. Yeah. It'd be really cool if somebody like listens to something like, Maybe the interview with Philip and it like inspires them to go out and, and start their own business of some sort. That's that'd be awesome right. and yeah. great for the city. So yeah, I love we're, it. We're great for the city. And you mean you know, depending on how many people listen or stuff like that. You know, I, I see later on down the road this being a very very big thing, mm-hmm. very very good positive thing for the city and, and the local spots around. Um, so. I, I thoroughly enjoy it. 
Yeah. I feel honored that you guys uh, came over here and talked to me. <laughs> it's, it's, fun. it's funny that we talk about how you named this place. Like, do, do you know how I named Reality Breached? How? I found a website that was not taken. Ah. Uh, like, me and our, my podcast guys, we were like, yeah. blah, 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 blah. What's, what's, it, what's the video game word? You can breach something. It's okay. That's, bre- breaching is cool. It's like, how do, you, how do we make that cerebral? Oh, it's a reality. And I was like, oh, reality breach. That seems cool. Is the website taken? And it's such a, a really scary Google search. Yeah. Like, this is a good idea. Click. And then nothing comes up. Yeah. Like, we have a winner. Yeah. <laughs> it's like that with band names, dude. Yeah. Like, bands are sitting there like, ah, dang it. shoot. Yeah. That's awesome. That's killer. All right. Well, I think we can wrap it up. Yeah, that's right. This, 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 this might, this one might have been my favorite. Dude. High fives for everybody. That was fun. (laughs) Awesome. Thanks for listening to Reality Breached. Don't forget to subscribe, follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook, check out the website at realitybreached.com, and stay tuned for more podcasts.